Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host, as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to all the students from By the Hood University and anyone who's shown us any love and supported anything that we've got going on. Special shout out to all the kids and all the youth from the By the Hood ownership camp. Listen, we appreciate all the support. Uh, my partner, Corey, is out actually doing work with students right now. But I'm holding the podcast down nonetheless. And listen, you guys know that our platform is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work in the community, building businesses and teaching our folks and just putting positive energy out there. And the sister that we have on with us today is doing amazing work in the digital space. And uh, listen, she's working in the future right now. She has uh, so many things going on, but I, I want her to tell her story. We have Nadja Robertson with us. Nadja, how are you? I am incredible today. How are you? Oh, uh, listen, I can't complain, but you have a lot of that. I follow your work, so I see all the different things that you got going on. So we want to talk about that. But before we get into that, could you tell us about your background? Where were you born and raised? Sure. Yes, I was born right here in Southern California in Los Angeles. I grew up in the hood right here in L.A. Uh, just like, you know, most of us, I had mother and father in the home. Uh, mother was a school teacher. My father worked for aerospace. But I was a person that was intrigued with the community. And so uh, that's who I allowed to, to gravitate. That's who I gravitated to. I'll say it that way. And so um, just really grew up for the love with the love of my people and really trying to understand how money works and what, you know, what makes people tick. And, you know, just, you know, starting out with my first job, having a little hustle on the side and just really trying to figure some things out was, was totally opposite of my parents. And yeah, so well, that, yeah. that love, of, I mean, I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off. That love of the community, was that instilled in you by your parents or where'd that come from? Uh, really just, just, I wasn't the only child, but my sister was seven years younger than me. So I was always in the community looking for that brother, you know, like this is my brother, it's my cousin, it's my, got sister, you. you know, that type of thing. So I really got, uh, really entrenched with the the family culture that was out in the in the streets in the community. Okay, understood. So, um, how, how what kind of student were you? Um, how was your schooling coming up? I was a great student because my mother was a teacher. However, wow. I wasn't a great studier, and I wasn't a great a lot of things. But I could just show up and take a test and kind of do the things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. We got a. Got a siren. Can you- hey, <laughs> that's real life. That's real life. That's what it is. So yeah, I'm still in the hood, as you hear. But um, but yeah. So I wasn't a real. I was a good student because academically, my mother gave me the right foundations, the right foundations starting out. But you know, as I got older and just really realized that I could kind of do what I wanted to do and then still show up and do what I had to do just to get by. Um, you know, that's, that's how I kind of live my scholastic life, uh, until actually till high school. Um, when I really found another love, which, you know, some of us young ladies, 
Uh, I was playing basketball, had scholarships to, to play basketball in the ninth grade. And then when I really started noticing that the, the, the boys or the men, the, the basketball players were considering me more their sister than they did liking me. You know, I decided to be a cheerleader. You know, that was a smart thing, right? <laughs> so I went on to be a cheerleader and got my face cracked in the 12th grade when I found out that the Dallas Cowgirls at that time, and probably still today, were only getting $15 per day. And then I realized I had made a big wrong decision. And uh, barely got to college, and but I'm glad I did. I went to an HBCU, went to Bethune-Cookman College in Daytona Beach, Florida. Okay. Changed my life and my perspective about, you know, some, and gave me a deeper love for Black folks. Okay, okay. Let's speak to that, right? Um, I also went to HBCU, Lincoln University here in Pennsylvania. But um, so I have a love for all HBCUs. But what was it about that experience that uh, shaped you who to, to be who you are now? Well, growing up in L.A. when I did in the 80s, you know, there were a lot of killings, the, you know, the Bloods and the Crips and and nobody got along like nobody. They went from dance groups that started off dancing to fighting and then those turned into gangs and like every single block you had to know whose hood you were in. Um, and so, you know, your your title was just so apropos because we didn't own nothing, but we claimed them, right? We claimed yep. these hoods and we didn't own anything, but... With that being said, when I showed up at Bethune-Cookman College, I remember it just like it was yesterday, getting and being on the quad and seeing somebody with a red hat and somebody with a blue hat about to cross each other. And they crossed each other and nothing happened. And mm. I was in a whole nother space, something I was, it just gave me a whole different understanding that we could get along and not kill each other over colors because it was that serious back then. It's not that way right now as far as the colors are concerned. We're still doing those things. But back then, a color meant that was yeah. it was a done deal. And so um, when I when I really started to get, hey, man, it's other Black folks getting along in this many Black people in one place without fighting. And so those sorts of things I started to see. And then we were forced to learn about African-American studies at Bethune-Cookman College. And then to start to really understand where we came from. And nobody had taught us that in traditional uh, traditional school. And so, you know, just really starting to get a sense of who I am, not necessarily where I came from, but the quest to really figure out where I came from and what tribe, what part of Africa, you know, all those things, which mm -hmm. I'm still in search for today. In fact, coincidentally, I just got um, uh, Ancestry.com. I just got a text message today. They just got my DNA test back and I am waiting <laughs> to get somewhere where I can sit down and try to figure out what it means. Um, so yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. And I'm back in the hood that I grew up in trying to be the change that I want to see. That's amazing. What was your major, uh, Bethune-Cookman? Criminal Justice Administration. Okay. So, so get this. I was gonna get all the criminals in the hood off. <laughs> I was gonna be in the I was gonna be a defense attorney. Cause again, in the 80s, which is where I grew up, we saw the war on drugs and we saw folks getting 15 years of life, like back to back to back to back. And I just thought if we had better attorneys and better representation and people weren't given these public defenders that we could really start to change 
what was happening in, in like the, the, the road cops. And like, I was in that whole thing where I'd see the police plant stuff and just do some of those things. And so I just thought I was going to save. I've always been a savior of the hood. Right? Yeah, and so yeah, here yeah. I am today trying to do the same, not trying, I don't try to do anything. We're going to make it, it happen. So, uh, but yes, yes. That's so, it. so, I mean, you know, so again, someone follows your work. I know that um, you do a lot of things. One of the things is the, um, that's amazing to me is the camp, right? Because uh, we have a camp as well that we've been doing for about six years. And we actually um, teach the youth about Bitcoin as well. Um, how did you make that transition from criminal justice? You know, you're going to go back and save the hood. to now a lot of your work is done um, in the tech world, in the digital world. Yeah. Uh, where, what, what happened? What was that switch? So um, when I came back from college with my college degree in criminal justice, got back to the city of Los Angeles and there were no jobs available, period. Uh, everything was locked up. And I really was kind of salty because all of my friends who didn't go to college, didn't get a degree, were working for the county, the state, the, they had all these great jobs and it was a hiring freeze. So I actually got hired at the happiest place on earth. And a lot of people, I make people laugh all the time. They say, oh, you got hired at Disneyland? No, I got hired at the Department of Motor Vehicles, which was <laughs> the worst job that you could ever have. And my personality in the DMV just didn't work out. Um, I was always getting ridden up for being over familiar with customers because I would talk to people. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't the mean lady. And so everybody was like, I want to go to her window. I don't want to go over there. And so, you know, it became a little bit of an issue with my coworkers and my boss, obviously. Um, but long story short, I wound up uh, after the uh, got pregnant with my daughter, which was my second child. Um, I just really figured I could be at home and be broke and figure this thing out because I was living paycheck to paycheck. The state of California was paying us once a month. Uh, they weren't giving us any raises. We were all fighting for one position, which was the supervisor in the middle of the floor at this. And it just, it was a rat race. So I decided at my daughter's baby shower that that would be my last day at work. And um, I'm proud to say this year, I have been an entrepreneur 25 years. My daughter turned 25 this year. Um, and so I just, you know, stayed at home and I've done everything from network marketing to you name it, and I've tried it just to make ends meet. Uh, well, not everything. I haven't been out on the corner. <laughs> but I always make the every, joke. Everything within I reason. I always make the joke that uh, if this don't get any better, I'm going to hit that block. <laughs> and, but now I'm bigger, so I don't know if that's going to work out for me. But, um, so, but anyways, no. Um, so that being said, I wound up in financial services because again, I noticed all these folks on the corner trying to raise money for funerals and I got sick and tired. And I said, well, what if we can educate our community on why they need life insurance? And I don't know about where you live, but in my hood, folks was running from the insurance man. When I grew up, they see the insurance man, just like the Jehovah Witnesses, they were running and slam the door. And I never could figure out why, but I found out, you know, so many insurance companies had taken advantage of our communities. And when they needed the money the most, when somebody passed away, something was wrong with their policy. It hadn't gotten written up. People had picked up money and there was no real policy. Like all these things played into our psyche about not having life insurance. And so I thought, again, my husband and I thought we'd go change the hood. We're going to teach them. We're going to make sure they get life insurance. 
and we find people out on the corner and we run up and we tell them, you know, the, for the next one, we know we can't help you with this. We'll give you a couple hundred dollars, but let's get your group together to make sure if this happens again, that you all are together. And it just would never happen. And Listen. then we get people signed up and two weeks later or a month later, times got hard. First thing black folks cancel is their life insurance. Yep. Listen, I, I went through that same phase. I had a funny, it's funny you say that because that was my exact idea. I'm going to save the hood. Um, so I had my um, life insurance license. You know, I was, I, I went through that phase. Um, but it, and I'm here in Philadelphia. And the one thing over here, people didn't want to talk about life insurance because they, they felt like they were talking about death. And I'm like, well, this is the one insurance you know is going to pay out if you pay you know what i mean like yeah. but they, they didn't want to talk about it they thought it was yeah. you know it was bringing bad juju by talking about death yeah. or whatever. But, so yeah so that was an issue over here so I, I mean that's that's the issue for our community in general yeah so it went a tad bit further because i said okay we're not talking about life insurance or we get it and then they cancel it and then like you know your license i get a charge back yep and i'm like this thing because i got to take care of my family so let me start looking at these other products like IULs, I mean, not IULs, like uh, 401ks and annuities and just some of these other project products and really started to take a deep dive to realize they were not designed for us to win. And so I'm looking at this stuff and I'm saying, well, wait a minute, if we still have this wealth gap and we've been doing everything we're supposed to do, like something else is wrong. And so I really started asking the most high, like really open my eyes and show me what I can do to help close the wealth gap. Cause this ain't it going to work for 40 years and trying to just, just all these products and trying to figure out why there's no longer having any more pensions. And they're giving us these 401ks and now they're not matching us. They're just saying, put it in. And, and, and then they're not they're, I'm going to people's houses and they're not even opening up these statements to see that they have no retirement because they frivolously put it in the fund that's not doing anything. So uh, saying all that to say, again, the most high was one of my major things every day. Please help me figure out what to do for my people. I was introduced to Bitcoin once. I didn't really get it. As a financial advisor, I'm thinking new money, man, it ain't, it ain't no new money. Second time I get introduced to Bitcoin, I said, well, you know what? It may be something to, to this thing. Let me just buy some and put it away. So I bought some and I didn't put it away. I left it where I bought it. That exchange got hacked. Uh, because of that, I'd probably be about $2.5 million richer today. Uh, but the third time that I uh, got introduced to Bitcoin, really salty about the process of Bitcoin because I thought that was Bitcoin. Cause I didn't have anybody to educate me. Nobody looked like me. Nobody wanted to teach me. Um, and, and I don't want to say nobody didn't want to teach me, but they didn't speak my language. So I finally got into a platform where somebody was speaking my language. He was just down to earth, Southern, straight out of uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, brother looked like me, my same skin tone. And I finally got an epiphany that if I got this and I understood it and I could teach it to my community, that this was one of the sole ways we could close the wealth gap. Now, real estate is my first look, keeping it 100% real. Mm -hmm. However, there's so many barriers to entry for our community and still so many things that exist where we can do a little bit, but I meant for the masses of folks, what can we possibly do? And so I just really started again, dissecting this thing, looking at the self-sovereignty, 
our ability to step outside the banks, be our own banks, take this into control for the very first time ourselves. And I just told my husband, you know what, babe, I am not going back to traditional financial services. I'm staying in this space. Uh, just give me about a year to figure it out. So I took my financial services office, which we're in right now. I renovated it because Bitcoin was about clean, sleek. You know, financial services was almost looking like a mortuary, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we did some upgrades in here and I opened the first brick and mortar uh, cryptocurrency that was owned by a black person in the U.S., and now, since then, I am now the only person, black, white, or other, in the United States that actually has a brick and mortar. The other ones have closed down. They're, they're not dealing with regulation. They're tired of what's happening, and they've just thrown in the towel. But I'm staying here for my folks. This is about my people. This is not about the dollars, not about making a dollar. It is about giving access to our community. Because if you think about it, since you teach it, you know this. If you do not have a bank account, you're not doing Cash App. You're not doing any of those things. You're not doing any of those platforms. And there are 65 million black and brown folks in America that don't have bank accounts. So yeah. I am the only place that they can come and do peer to peer. So I have a niche market. So that's yeah. why I'm doing what I do. Man, that's amazing. That, 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 that's, you said a whole lot there. And I have so many questions because... <laughs> It is it's weird because real estate is my first love. But then like once I fully understood, I'll tell you what it was. When I started running my own node and it really clicked, that's when I said, okay. So it's like I have two loves, Bitcoin and real estate. <laughs> and now what I'm working on is combining them. I combine them. So my tenants pay for my Bitcoin. But that's another story. Yeah, that's um, it. That's it. That's what's yeah. up. Mine too. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, Thank exactly. Me. Matter of fact, I wish they had to pay me yesterday because today the price went up. I know. I had more rent than I would yesterday. <laughs> I was like, man, why well, have to jump up before they send my rent? And that's what I'm, man. So anyway, it's those type of yeah. incredible experiences. Yeah. So, I, and I see like a lot of the work you're doing, right? So um, just looking at some of the things you got going on, which like the Bitcoin, um, you know, buys are us, um, the crypto kids camp. Can you explain some of these projects that you um, actually have? Because you have multiple projects. And I know that you're um, affiliated with Black Wall Street as well. Yes. Yeah, so the crypto kids camp um, is a way for me to educate the children ages five to, to 17 in anywhere, anywhere. The, 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 the way that I set it up was to scale and be at any inner city across the United States. So we do something where we say we go beast mode on breaks. So going beast mode on break simply means we're teaching our kids about blockchain, uh, cybersecurity, all the technology, mining. Um, they get a little bit of drones. They get all these different things and they can, you know, they can look up the actual program, but it's CryptoKidsCamp.org. So my goal is to bring it to every, every inner city across the United States. Even if you have your own program, we should be collaborating together Absolutely. so that we can bring all the different technologies to your children. And it's not a my program, it's our program because it's for our community. Because if our kids do not get ahead of what is about to take place, we're going to be in a worse position than we are today. So we've got to do something different than we've done. So that's the education for the kids. Um, all month long, I have all these different events to help educate our grown folks. The kids are the easy ones to teach because they get it. 
they right away, right yeah. away. And I, and I realized that because like a lot of the games and things they play um, are using alternative currency. So yes. they get it right away and they gravitate towards yeah. it. Yeah, our, our, our grown folks are the ones we got to <laughs> unlearn. We got to unlearn some of this relationship with money. Um, but what I do is I just really try to meet people where they are. So if we're talking, I don't even like smoke, but I will do a cigars and crypto in a minute. So I pop up at cigar lounges and teach. I I do, you know, um, as you all probably saw, I did the tour with the Black Wall Street, just mm -hmm. hitting the different neighborhoods, talking about cryptocurrency, which I had a ball and I plan on doing every single year. Um, and, and people are like, oh, no, you coming here this time. So, um, but I love that. And did, I do barbershops and Bitcoin, beauty shops and Bitcoin, like you, you name it. And I try to do it. Wine, women and crypto. And I really try to partner with our black establishments. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard to even get folks to, um, you know, sometimes even take you serious to even get the collaboration. So, I, and, you know, I'm banging on all of our, like, even for wine, women and crypto, you're talking about buying the block. That has to do with our collaboration yes. Um, and, and co collective economics. And so we've got to get that in all these spaces. And so, you know, I'm not going to call no wine companies out, but it's black wine companies out there. I do wine, women and crypto with tons of viewers and stuff every single month. And I can't get a black wine company to come on. And I'm not even asking them to sponsor them and give me wine. Just collaborate. But yeah. then I ask Stella Rosa, that's like, come on, let me, let, let us see and let us do this. And I'm like, man, I'm just going to hold off till we get some act right with our folks. Like, we got to <laughs> do this. So that's, that, that's you know, kind of the thing. So um, I'm just super excited. And I want to hear what you all are doing in the hood. Because that's yeah. one of the things that I am and have been talking about is tokenization where we're able to tokenize these buildings that we buy and gentrify our own community. That's, and sometimes I say that and my daughter is like, that is not uh, vocabulary, the right vocabulary, but we're going to gentrify our own neighborhoods. That means it's, 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 it's going to happen. It's going to happen one way or another, but we have to be involved because it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. So we, we have yeah. to be involved and we definitely yeah. will talk offline about the camp because we, we, we could do some collaboration with that because, um, we're serving literally the same market. We go five to 17 as well. Okay. So um, that's amazing stuff. And what I like about the work you do, um, and for everybody listening or watching, uh, I will uh, put all of your contact info and in, um, show notes and all that. Um, you're out in the community. Like some people sit behind their keyboard all day and, you know, talk and do things, but you, you're outside, like really with the people, like you're, you're, you're of the people and you're teaching them these things. And it's amazing to see. So you know, I love my folks. I'm telling you, I love that East Coast. I wish I wish it didn't snow and it wasn't cold. You know, I tell everybody my folks is from Africa. So I like a little bit of heat. But um, I love I love Philadelphia. I love I love Chocolate City. And I'm just mesmerized when I get out there and I just see our folks, because here in California, it's getting real scattered. Yeah. We're scattered. So yeah, it's a beautiful thing to come back there. So can you tell me a little bit about a uh, building silicone? Uh, what is it? Silicone hoods now. That's the yeah, name of your building uh, silicone hoods. So you know, as I'm in this tech space and um, just really talking to folks about tech, and I'm always hearing, you know, so and so came from Silicon Valley, and 
and they grew up and they went to MIT and they did this. And then we got, since I'm here in Southern California, we got Silicon Beach where Google came and popped themselves up and Snapchat and all these other places. And I'm like, you know what? We need to build Silicon Hoods because our kids need to be the developers. They need to be the coders. They need to be the ones that are feeding, this, doing this machine learning. We need to be the ones that where our kids can say, I came from Silicon Hood. So we are the tech that grew from concrete. So that's my tagline. Um, so we are definitely the tech that grew from concrete. And the re where I got an epiphany is I was at um, a Black Women in STEM event and I was on the stage with some folks from Tesla, Intel, and I think, it, I don't even remember what the other com company was, but basically what they said, and this was just in 2019, I'm not talking about a long time ago, uh, we were on the stage and uh, right before COVID hit, thank goodness, but they were talking about how they did a study inside their unit where they put a bunch of their coworkers next to themselves and they had the computers do whatever they were supposed to do and the computers totally skipped their faces because they weren't recognizing black people. So that's mm -hmm. what was happening with Clear when you went to the airport where nobody could was getting recognized because they did not program computers to even recognize black people. Why is that? Because they have no black people in there programming these machines. But that's going to hurt us in healthcare because healthcare is coming into that space. So how do they know about our melanin and the different things that we need and to know that our, our pain tolerance is exactly the same as theirs. And this myth that they have is, you know, all of that is coming into tech. Um, I'm starting to see some scary stuff as it relates to our jobs being taken over. You know, I can tell you some stuff that's walked into my office that people showed me. And I'm like, I can't invest in it because there's no human capital. Even though I would love to be a millionaire based on the fact that you've got a CNA, for those of you that don't know what that is, a certified nurse's assistant, that's a full robot and has been at the house of somebody for a week or two on a pilot test and never had to have any other human interaction other than that patient that they're changing the diaper for. It's incredible. We have got to get our kids in the right understanding that, yeah, you want to be a doctor and an attorney, and I get it, and you can still do that, but baby, by the time you go to law school or, or medical school, and you're five or six right now, I kind of sort of don't see that that's gonna, there's going to be much need for that, yeah. because we got to learn how to program this stuff Things and how changing. to fix it. Things are changing. Um, yeah. I, spoke, I spoke at an event in Minnesota. So I actually went to the to the uh, Mall of America and they have a Microsoft store in there. Mm. And when you go to the Microsoft store, they had a robot like running the register, coming out to talk to you and explain all the products. Like they're literally, they're custom, it was literally a robot. There was nobody yeah. actually working there were robots running the store. And I'm like, yeah. you know, there was like one couple people there like, you know, making sure the robots were fine. But for the most part, the employees were robots and that like yeah. blew me away. And that was in the Microsoft store. So um I see what's happening and we definitely, um, we have to be in the future, right? Yeah. So we got to prepare for what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, so now that's talking about the work that you currently have going on. Um, let me ask you, these, I have a couple questions for you. What is a book, right? That you would say is a book that inspired you that you could recommend to our audience? So I'm going to say a book that I would, and it has nothing to do with Bitcoin. It is Go for the Nose. 
Go, go for, for the, the nose. nose. Let me write that down. Go for the and nose. And I'm saying go for the nose because I'm in this tech space and I see all these other folks getting funding and they're able to do, I mean, absorbing amounts. Um, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many no's we've been having as it relates to helping our community. And the reason why, and, and, and I can get up real deep into the systemic stuff, mm -hmm. but I really feel like um, they're knowing if, if we finally get this and we get this right, we're not going to be depending on the system like we've been depending on the system. And um, it's been difficult, right? I jumped off this call with you to get, I dumped off a call to come on with you today where we were sitting with the Black Bank uh, okay. to talk to them about what this looks like because, you know, initially we thought, you know, we had this greatest idea, 65 million people that are unbanked, we can help them, we can do And they're like, we don't care. Wow. <laughs> we don't care that they don't have bank accounts. They need to get a bank account because we're the bank and we want their NSF fees. We want $60 billion like we got in 2019 for NFS, NSF fees. This industry cuts that out. So there's just so many things, you know, that, you know, I don't know. We, I won't get into that. Oh, but that, that's, that's, that's insane. Like we, oh man, that's, that's crazy. So go for the no. That's, 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 that's no. I just wrote that down. I'm definitely going to go yeah. look for that. So the more no's I know I get, the quicker or the, the closer I'm coming to a yes. And so I'm just keeping at it. I'm having at it. I'm in, in, in this space uh, for me and no comes in different forms for me. So no, it's just not no that we're not going to do it. And that's fine. Some will, some won't. So what next? It's kind of what the book says. Um, but also the no is when somebody steals your idea, when somebody takes something that you've got, you haven't yet gotten a trademark, but it's in the process. And then somebody comes out and they put it all on their book cover. Like it's just weird stuff that happens in this space. And it's just like, okay, you got to just keep pushing. You got to put your head down. But when you know why you're doing something, those little things don't matter. They bother you. They hurt, but you just got to brush it, you know. Brush your shoulders off. I was acting <laughs> funny the other day. I was like, feeling like a pimp, go and brush your shoulders off because you got these ideas. And if they're good enough for somebody to steal, that means you're in the right place. Just keep it up because you can be creative again and do something different, but they can't. They're stagnated because they got your idea and they got to try to figure out how to make it work. So those are the types of things when I'm saying go for the no, because the no is somebody's already come out with it. So no, you can't do that. But I'm not, I got to come up and be creative. So I got a lot of stuff going on. So I think you hit me at the right time. Oh, yeah. Um, I just got a grant and I want to offer this to you live on the air. Um, I just got a grant to open up and have my own TV channel. Um, and we're talking about tech. We're talking about the kids. Maybe sometimes we can showcase your kids and what they're doing on our on this this network that we're able or this channel that we're able to have. Uh, the company that picked me up for my grant got 2.9 million, which is not a lot for black um, folks to get into TV. And so mm -hmm. we're going to be talking all about crypto and Bitcoin and, and just really showing uh, how this can change folks. And so, you know, I welcome you all. Absolutely. It. Yeah, we definitely going to collaborate on that. Um, that's amazing. Let me ask you this question um, through your journey, right? So 
when you discovered Bitcoin, um, because I guess because of the way you discovered it in terms of like always trying to work for the community and going through all the traditional financial services, um, what was it specifically about Bitcoin that made it click and, and made you say, this is it? This is what I got to teach. Well, when I started dissecting money, where it came from, how it derived, I figured that these 10, 11 families that have the majority of wealth, not just in the United States, in the world, control the money, then how do we ever get to that point? And when I found out about Bitcoin and the fact that you mean Chase, the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers don't control this, this is something that we need to get involved in and figure out uh, again, and I try to dissect this. I'm saying maybe the government put this out, but then I start, you know, just looking at this thing and I'm like, well, they wouldn't have done that because if they put it out, then they would, you know, just, it was just so many different scenarios I try to play in my head. Um, and then I started, you know, buying into this, this is for criminals and thieves. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, we've been being criminals and thieves with money for a very, very long time, and you can't track a dollar. So if I go down the street and I do something ill that I shouldn't be doing, and I give you dollars, like you can't track that. But yeah. this blockchain in some shape, form, or fashion will get you caught up if you're not doing the right things that you need to do. Even if you try your very best, somebody you're interacting with is able to be identified. And so once I really started understanding the technology and not necessarily the money, understanding what the technology could actually do to enhance our situation, then I said, okay, this is what we need to do. So that's, that's why I'm here. And I'm really trying to teach, not Bitcoin specifically, because I am a recovering coinaholic. I was going to add, that was my, that was actually I'm my next recovering. question. I, I, listen, I went down the rabbit hole too of, uh, you know, looking at the shit coins as I call them. And everything always leads back to Bitcoin. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm pretty much a Bitcoin only person at this point. But I was going to ask you, did you go through that phase? <laughs> I did. I did big time. And so I teach people right now, see the price or purpose for me. So I'm going for the price. If I want the price to go up and do what I needed to do in five to 10 years, this is a slow race. I mean, this is a slow, it's a, it's, it's a, 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 it's a little bit of a, a jog. It ain't yeah. a sprint. So five to 10 years. So that's my price. My purpose is black coin stuff that helps the community. So if it's a Haiti coin, because we hate, we helping Haiti, I'm all good. It's just like, I'm loaning money to a cousin that may or may not pay me back. So I put my 200 in this because they may or may not pay me back. It may or may not go up. I get guap coin because I want to recycle black dollars. I'm looking at vibranium when they open because I want to I want to do the things that I need to do to help my community, whether it pays me back or not. It's, I'm not in this for the price go up. But Bitcoin, I'm expecting Bitcoin. It better do what it needs to do for me, my kids, 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 because that's what I'm doing for the price. So that's that's kind of how I play this thing. Okay. Yeah, that was my name. You, you got right into it. Dogecoin, and I'm going to say it. They playing you. They been playing you. I've been sitting with them. I've been sitting. I call them my brothers because they I always say that my brothers from another mother, but they definitely don't look like me. And when they were laughing at them at each other, 
when they first started with Dogecoin, you know, I'm down here with these folks. Mm -hmm. When they first were laughing and playing and they were, uh, Dogecoin came out, I had a ton of Dogecoin. But what we were doing was we were, I was learning with them because I didn't have nobody that looked like me to teach me. Uh, I was feeding chickens and doing this stuff and they were laughing at each other with this Dogecoin. But when this last 2019, 2020, 2021 came along and now they're laughing at my community because we're the idiots and we're, some people made money. Don't get me wrong. Some people made a hundred thousand. I got cats that came up and said, you know, you hating. I made 50,000, but the mothers that are single that are going to work every day that put their rent money in Dogecoin and they were expecting this to go to a dollar like Elon Musk told them. That's when I take issue. Stop yeah. playing with our community because you're playing with our community because if you're buying, someone is selling. If you're buying this stuff and they know, they know our triggers. They know who they can get to say what to make it validated. So we go out, but by the time you tell cousin Earl and cousin and uncle Pookie, it's, it's damn near too late. So yeah. And you get caught up. And so right now, I think yesterday we looked and Dogecoin was like 50, 15 cent or something like that. And I'm my heart goes out to the people that I met on the road that was arguing with me, saying Dogecoin was going to a dollar. And, 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 and I was in Atlanta the day that that whole interview went. And Jay Morrison, to tell you, I'm not telling you a lie when we're doing our live on his, I call it Crypto Corner because he's the... He is the true uh, street corner person, mm -hmm. which is where I got the idea from. Um, he was showing me on his feed, you know, folks were saying she hating on Dogecoin and she don't know what she talking about and just talking crazy. And, and he was trying to learn about Bitcoin and he like, sister, you know, I want to show you what my feed is saying. I said, my feelings ain't hurt because I know the people I sit with. And I, I know who came up with that. And it's a joke. And it's just, you know, and I know because I know, not just because some yeah. other somebody told me. So anyway, that night in Atlanta was when Elon Musk got on TV when it was supposed to go to a dollar and it dropped within seven seconds. And I just almost literally cried for some of the people that I had just met there in Atlanta that had put all their retirement yep. money into Dogecoin because it was going to a dollar. And it's just, yeah, um, that's bad. It's absolutely you can't bad. even say I told you so. It's just, yeah. But, th but that's why your work is important um, to get in front of people and actually explain to them and teach them, right? Because this is a whole new industry and folks, I mean, let's just be honest. It's a lot of scamming. A lot, a lot of stuff goes on. Like there's certain coins. I, I saw a page of about 2000 coins that were taking money from the community that don't even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. so, so it's a lot going on but people like to chase lottery tickets because of the mentality yeah and, and that's what happens but man that that that's go to show that your work is needed and you got to continue to do what you do yes sir yes sir and when they told me no i'm not buying bitcoin i'm buying dogecoin <laughs> go for the nose <laughs> go for the nose got you you gotta keep going <laughs> Got you. So let me ask you another question. Um, throughout this journey of, of where you started, you know, Southern California to where you are now, where you're out here teaching our folks and you're doing a lot of amazing work. Um, what was the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome to get you to where you are today from where you started? You know what? My biggest, and I don't even want to say hurdle, it's just being me and being true to who I am and who I feel like the most high um, created me to be. That being said, this tour that I did, 
I wanted to call it the, the Digital Underground Railroad because I feel like I am young Harriet that is, <laughs> that is freeing my people from financial slavery. And all of these PR people and all these people were like, no, we don't want to talk about slavery. Nobody's going to fund you if we're talking about slavery and nobody's going to, you know, they want to leave that past behind and our millennials don't want to hear. And I get it. And, and I said, okay, you know, I'll dumb it down and we'll just be the digital revolution tour. And nobody funded us anyway. You know why? Yeah. Because I told them that I was just going to the hood. It's like, you're just going where? You're just going in the projects. You're not going to come on the West side and teach? No, I'm teaching in our neighborhood. And it was, no, you go ahead and do that yourself. So Hill Harper and I are the one in the Black Bitcoin Billionaires. They are actually who funded me through that tour. And so I came back from that tour saying, I changed my brain so that I could fit in to who we thought would fund us, the Geminis and the, the Coinbases and the whoever. But again, knowing that it's just the hood that I was affecting change in, they weren't cool with that. And I'm good with that too. Don't ever go to Coinbase too, by the way. I got a whole nother story on that. No Coinbase. Okay. Just I'm like no Robin Hood, no yeah. Weeble, no, no PayPal and no SoFi. All of them are garbage. But anyway. Yeah, um, listen, I'm, I'm anti all those as well. I'm anti all okay. those. Like, okay. Yeah. So with that being said, I am now launching my own digital underground railroad platform where I can say what I want and be who I want to be for my people, whether I get sponsors or not. I'm not going to be censored by Instagram. I'm going to still post on Instagram, but I'm not going to be censored for my videos and telling my folks when I when calling the spade a spade. A fact is a fact. You know what the bank's doing. And we are finding that my algorithm is just being pushed down because they don't want that message to get out there. And the mm -hmm. folks that pay big bucks for, for advertisement, I can't compete with them. And yeah. so um, so we're putting together our own Digital Underground Railroad. It actually will launch today. And I'm excited about it. Just being able to talk and say, look, Black folks, brown folks, wherever folks you are in this United States, I get it. You know, we, mm -hmm. get, we get the racism both ways. We get racism from other folks, but we also get it within our community. Because yes, I'm darker, you know, it's, it's, it's just this whole stigmatism that we have. So there's so many things that I want to talk about and share because it all comes back to economics. Because we will never have social justice unless we get economic justice. And it don't look like we're going to be given it where I'm not expecting us it to be given to us. It hasn't in a hundred and how many years? Emancipation of a proclamation, 153 years. It ain't yeah. happened yet. What you waiting for? It's time to go get it. We got to create right. it. And this is a vehicle. So that's where I'm at. I'm and this, that's, why, that's why I love your work and love your energy because we're on the same wavelength. Like when we say by the hood, it originally started with real estate, but now it's so much more because by the hood actually means buying into each other. Mm -hmm. When we say by the hood, we're talking about supporting and loving one another. So by the hood, actually equals black love and that's what we're yeah. about yeah. um so i love your message i love the fact that you're in the streets you're with the people um that's powerful not too many folks are willing to do that um but that's interesting though uh how those folks didn't fund you anyway so trying to yeah. trying to like you know change you know who you are to fit in and it didn't work anyway so 
That's yeah. amazing. So let me ask you this question. Um, um, we talked a lot about all the work that you got going on now. We talked about your past. What does the future hold for you? The future holds collaboration. And I'm telling everybody collaboration is a new business model. So folks may be in, uh, they may be in Missouri and they want to have something like this. This ain't all about me. We set this model up so that in the next five to 10 years, we can pick this up and sit it down in any inner city and allow it to thrive because this is about all of us. It ain't about me. I'm not just trying to hold on to this. I want to share what we've been able to accomplish in this place across the United States and then start hitting, uh, you know, Ghana or the UK and some of these other places because it is so needed. And so that's what this is about is just really collaborating. I'm not saying unless it's something unethical, I'm not saying no to anything because if I can collaborate with you and you're doing it, let's do it. If you're doing an NFT project and you let's, let's form a corporation together and let's get it going because two of us are stronger than each one of us in our own lane trying to get to the same destination. So that's what I've been doing is just saying yes to everybody except some of these shit coins. <laughs> now, if they black coin, I, and I hate to say that because I sound a little racist, but I'm not racist. I'm just pro-black. Um, I'm not afraid to say that because I love I love my white brothers. I got on my board of directors. I got a I got some white folks on there. I absolutely love white folks have got me at USC talking in front of folks like we have to have our allies. Um, and and I love them, and they love me, and they they see that. I get my message out. So I'm not saying that at all, but it is really high time for us to collaborate and start working together. And the last thing I'm gonna say is if we look at how the Federal Reserve Bank was actually created, if we go back to 1913, somebody had a Chase Bank, somebody had a Wells Fargo, somebody had a Fifth Third, somebody had a Deutsche, somebody had a, a, a I don't know, a, a New York Bank. And they didn't say, you're my competition, you're my competition, you're my competition. They said, we all have banks. Let's get together. Let's form the Federal Reserve Bank and let's monopolize every dime, quarter, nickel coming through the United States and abroad. And they have, for the last hundred and some odd years, done exactly that. They've yep. monopolized everything. It is time we follow suit. So Green Bank, Green Dot, what is it? Greenwood Bank. You're not my competition. We are working together. I'm selling cryptocurrency. You may intend on selling it sooner than later, but I have people that need bank accounts. Why aren't we partnering? Why can't we have a conversation? Why don't we get callbacks? One of the good things is Hill Harper's wallet. He came to me earlier this year. He said, I got a black wallet. I'm constantly sending people to Edge and Exodus. They're the they're the closest I could find to a black wallet because Edge is a Filipino guy. But mm -hmm. now you got a black wallet and you want to sell Bitcoin. Yes, I sell Bitcoin. But again, you're not my competition. We got to come together for access. I was sending them the cash app anyway if they couldn't get to me or, or Edge wallet. So let me work with my brother. But we have got to get out of this thing that we're in where we're not working together. And I can throw that out there. And I've said it several times live and on TV. Greenwood Bank, let's partner. Let's get some callbacks. Let's, let's form our own digital Federal Reserve Bank. We can do this. 
And yeah. so I'm excited about uh, what the opportunities are. And again, Hill Harper and I, are we're hoping that we're a model where people can see that we work together, even though we have the same exact uh, customer base and we got the same exact product, but we are together stronger than we are by ourselves in our own little boats trying to roll. This so is absolutely true. Collaboration over competition and yes. everything you're talking about, the book, uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island, explains that whole process, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I've been buying Bitcoin for years at this point, since 2016, but when I heard about his product, I went and, you know, went through the whole process, set up an account um, on Hill Harper's platform, just yes. because just because it was someone that looked like me that was doing it. Like, yeah. And, I, and I, it's I, called I'm not the person, y'all. I keep it 100. It's clunky. It's had some issues. But one thing that brother did was he spearheaded that without any of those banks. When you pull back the layers, because he was, they approached us. Believe me, you. They approached us and said, "We love to fund your project, but what we didn't want to be is something that we were not. And we wanted to make sure that when you pull back the onion, you say, hey." This is what it says it is. Mm -hmm. We're not working with Green Dot. Yeah. We're, we are the folks. So we're looking to buy those MDIs, um, which minority, minority um, deposit institution. So we're looking to do those things, but it's taken some time. We've had to go through developers that didn't perform. So a lot of money's been lost. But one thing is that he owns the tech he owns the back end. He owns all that. It's not white label. And it is, again, it's a little clunky. He's getting better and better. We're getting better and better. I'm saying we, because it's not, he, he always said it's not for him. But things are moving where we're going to be able to take the Bitcoin off the platform and deposit it. We're going to be able to send Bitcoin from other platforms to the wallet if that's what we choose to do. And all that is literally about a day or two or a week away because he's been working hard to get black developers in. So if you know any black developers, send them our way. We're Absolutely. definitely restructuring some things. One of our big um, CTOs, our chief technology officer was a Microsoft gentleman, uh, fabulous. That was really doing some in-kind work because he loved the mission. He mm -hmm. got a raise at Microsoft. And so now he's probably making up close to 500,000 a year and he's got to put his attention over there. So we just lost our CTO, brother named BG, but we're looking for another one. So send them our way if you know any CTOs. Um, but we're still moving. We're still moving. Yeah, and I, and I, and I heard him speak um, at EYL when he was speaking about how it's black owned, right? It's yeah. not just it's not just marketing. It's really yeah. it's true. It's truly black owned. Um, yes. And I appreciate that message. So. Oh man, you guys are doing uh, phenomenal work. Last question I have for you is this: um, the the black uh, Bitcoin billionaires. I've, I've been on Clubhouse just listening. I'm in, and I don't really come to the state. I listen, just listen and uh, watch what you guys are doing. What does that mean to you? Um, that platform. So that platform has been a little bit different. So, man, it, it pulls me both ways. So we always get reamed for being on somebody else's platform and making them millions of dollars. Yeah. So Clubhouse, of course, anything Black folks put their hands to, we make it a million dollars. Always, always. So then the question becomes, why aren't you on this drop-in app that's Black-owned? Well, we definitely tried it, but we didn't have all of our people there. So 
we kind of had to go where our people were because we had or wanted the most exposure that we can get. And so right now, the Black Bitcoin Billionaire platform has over 125,000 members that just within since December that we've gotten on um, that come on. And so the Black Bitcoin Billionaires, what we all did because we're again, all in these different states, spaces, most of us work in the space doing something. You know, Lamar is a phenomenal developer and some other things. But what we decided, well, we were going to be there for the education. So we're not going to shill our classes. We're not going to shill our events. We're going to do nothing but educate. And if people go on our profile and they ask us, then we'll give them the information. But we're not going to say, oh, you know, today I'm having a mastermind. And so we came up with that from the beginning. So it's not an atmosphere where people are trying to get off of what they're doing. Now, people will come to the stage and say like, Naja, I, I heard you're going to interview Russell Simmons next week for his NFT. Now, I can't go and say, no, nah, you know, whatever. So I'll talk about those things. But we really can't have a focused, concerted effort to not shield our products. But we got to make some money. So mm -hmm. we do have courses. We do have things that we're doing, but we just don't do it on there. And we yeah. make that pretty clear. So we don't ask folks for donations. In fact, we give Bitcoin away, which is probably why how we got 125. <laughs> <laughs> we give Bitcoin away quite often. Almost, um, you know, we were giving it, I would give it away every Friday. I give $100 worth of Bitcoin, $10 yeah. at a time. And the easiest way for me to give it, I sell Bitcoin, but the easiest way for me to give it was on Cash App. Cash App, yeah. Because yep. Cash App, really, to be quite honest, if you know the, you know the drill, Cash App has, they're just moving numbers around. They ain't even really trading the Bitcoin. They're yep. just moving the numbers on their database. So when I figured that, and then I thought about, like you said, after you got a note, you got, you got smart about it. We need to run our own master node and start our own lightning network and put our own Bitcoin in there and just trade it back and forth for people. And so now that's what we're doing. And so, um, you know, once you know better, you do better. And it takes for you to really be in the space. And I just learned that this year. So and I don't profess to be the one that knows everything. I'm on Clubhouse and I'm listening like crazy because I want to know what's happening, what's changing, being in this space. A month is like being in this space for six months to a year. You got to stay up with it. And we understand that our folks, and, and I'm, I'm making a generalization. So those of you that read, please forgive me. Our folks ain't really reading. Yeah. Our folks ain't really trying to keep up with this. They just want to show up and make some money. So we are the Black Bitcoin billionaires that give them though that news and give them what's relevant to our community. And so that's why I love those guys and girls. And uh, for the most no, part, it's, it's great work. It's great work going on there. Like, and, and I mean, I love what you guys do. So, I mean, so, and, and shout out to uh, the big Mar too, because he does an amazing job. Oh, that dude, y'all. Yeah, that I was dude is, him on Twitter. That um, dude yeah. is so fire. So for his folks, uh, I can't even explain. Like yeah. that tour, you know, he, he, is, he is so humble, him and his wife. But that tour, I got to tell, I got to just say it, that that tour was one third Lamar Wilson because he believed in what we were doing. And before, now I, I, I knew of him 
and just really, really knew of him in January 2021. Mm -hmm. So he didn't know me from a can of paint. But when he saw the work, he said, I got that. You need a hotel, you need hotels because your RV broke down. Me and my wife got that for like a week or whatever. Like they did like unbelievable, so just incredible. And everybody that has joined the Black Bitcoin billionaire so far has been so authentic. Um, and, and that's what it's about. So no, it absolutely is. I'm I'm in there as well. I'm a member of the uh, Black Bitcoin's billionaire, but like I like uh Zay has been on our program. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin Vegan has been in our program. So we're really in tune with what, what's happening over there. And also having folks that look like us in this space doing the work is um, amazing to see. And I just want to, you know, last thing I want to tell you is just congratulations on all your success. Um, and also um, you're appreciated. I want to let you know that you're appreciated because. Oh, I appreciate uh, yeah. you too, brother. Absolutely. Because I see the work that you're doing um, and you're helping our people. And first and foremost, that's more important than anything. Right. If you know, because people like to chase numbers, but what you're doing is a whole lot deeper and a whole lot more important than just worrying about a number, right? Everybody wants the number to go up, yeah. but you're out here educating and showing folks how to become their own bank and how to take control of their life. So um, I think that's amazing. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And thank you for having me on today. And Absolutely. by the hood. Yes. Absolutely. Listen, listen. So what's up? I'll make sure to put all of your uh, information in the description box in the show notes. Please support what Naja has going on. Please go check her out. Anything that she does, please support it because she's about our people. And I think that that's important. She prioritizes our people over everything else. So I just want to say thank you again, Naja. We definitely appreciate you. And we will be working together in the future. I promise you that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. You have a good one. Okay. Yeah, so to so our audience out there, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see you guys on our next episode. Peace and blessings to everybody out there. Yeah.